Hello and welcome everyone to the EOS Fireside Chat for September 27th, 2023. I'm Andrew and I will be your host today while Stefan is on vacation. we got an awesome show lined up today, including eight topics and several speakers. Today we'll be talking about EOS, EOS sustainability. I'm going to talk about EOS Independence Day. I'm going to talk about Pomelo Season 7, which is open for donations today. Uh, also, EOS USDT, which has been listed on Change Now, as well as the EOS EVM version 0.6.0, which is now live on the Jungle Testnet, in addition to the August monthly report and some Upland news. Yeah, there we go. So uh, a little bit of housekeeping first. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We're live on Discord, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are. Uh, we really love it when you participate in the show. So uh, whether it's in the text chat or joining us on the voice stage, we want to hear your thoughts, your comments, and any questions about today's topics. Uh, so remember to share memes and emoji reactions for more Fireside Hype. And don't forget the pop token giveaways. Looks like uh, Yana shared a link in the chat already. Um, you want to claim in that pop bot chat. And then uh, you'll also get the opportunity to mint your monthly raffle ticket for uh, September. There we go. So getting started, um, there was uh, recently an article released, actually just this morning, about uh, EOS sustainability. Um, and to be precise, the EOS Net Network Foundation and Upland have both teamed up with um, an organization called Ariel. They're proud to announce a groundbreaking initiative that will advance the EOS network beyond its status as the world's first carbon neutral blockchain to being a climate positive blockchain network. Climate positive in this case means that activity goes beyond achieving net zero carbon emissions to create an environmental benefit by removing additional carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So collaborating with Ariel, which is a sustainability platform that partners with verified environmental efforts globally, uh, the EOS Network Foundation uh, actively reduced carbon emissions while inspiring others in the blockchain industry to adopt climate-positive strategies. The EOS Network's consensus mechanism consumes significantly less energy compared to many other cryptocurrencies. For instance, a single transaction in the EOS Network requires only 1.2 watt-hours, making it one of the most environmentally friendly options. Uh, Ranks, uh, EOS ranks among the most environmentally friendly blockchains globally with an annual carbon footprint of a mere 242 tons of CO2, which has been fully offset since 2018, thanks to the pioneering efforts of the EOS block producer team EOS Authority. For context, the average American emits roughly 20 tons of CO2 per year, meaning the EOS blockchain has a carbon footprint the size of approximately 12 Americans, which may be larger than others' carbon footprint, but still very impressive. Uh, ENF has chosen to invest in uh, an afforestation project based in Zunyi within the uh, Guizhou province of China. Uh, this project involves planting native species on barren lands, therefore increasing greenhouse gas removal and contributing to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, in addition, Upland... The real-world map Web3 metaverse platform that I'm sure you're all familiar with has been actively involved in EOS's sustainability efforts as a carbon offset sponsor since 2021. 
Their own sustainability efforts also extend beyond blockchain infrastructure by offsetting their carbon footprint for the cloud services that help power the Upland metaverse. It's actually elected three separate projects in Brazil, the U.S., and Germany, which are all countries where Upland has in-game cities. In the U.S., uh, Green Trees is the name of a, an organization that is reforesting one million acres of marginal farmland in the uh, Mississippi Alluvial Valley. And that's one of those organizations that Upland has partnered with, in addition to uh, Germany Regenerative Agriculture, which enables farmers to utilize and enhance the soil's potential as a carbon sink, sequestering at atmospheric CO2 in the soil and permanently storing it where it belongs and has far-reaching benefits. And I tried to practice this one beforehand. Um, uh, Fortaleza Itucci red plus forest protection <laughs> um, that aims to protect forests located in one of the regions having the highest deforestation rate in the Amazon, which is the municipality of La Brea. The ENF's partnership with Upland and Ariel exemplifies the power of collaboration in making a meaningful impact on the environment by calculating the carbon footprint, offsetting emissions through sustainable projects and promoting green practices. These organizations inspire others within the Web3 ecosystem to adopt similar initiatives. As climate change continues to pose a significant threat, ongoing efforts to combat it are essential. In achieving climate positivity, the ENF sets a commendable example and serves as a catalyst for a more sustainable future in Web3. So I was initially somewhat surprised by the extensive news coverage, which I can actually share with you here. It looks like we've got already today coin market cap. Um, Coin Codex, Bankless Times, You Today. Everyone seems to be covering this. And I was sort of, uh, I was initially confused by that. Why are all of these people so into this? But then I realized that it refutes the common FUD talking point that blockchains are inefficient and bad for the climate. Uh, by becoming not only carbon neutral, but a carbon negative blockchain that offsets more than its own carbon footprint, the EOS network collaborating with Upland and Ariel is demonstrating that crypto and climate are not inherently at odds. I think that's that's an important uh, item there. Uh, I'm not sure if there's uh, anyone else on here. I'd like to speak a little bit more to that. For those who are interested in hearing from Ariel, uh, their CEO, Andrea Sommer, uh, will be on the EO sustainability space uh, on Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure to uh, set your calendars and uh, yeah, make your way over to, uh, I believe that will be on the EOS Network Foundation uh, Twitter or X space. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll open it up. If anyone's got uh, any thoughts, any comments or questions about um, EOS's sustainability, uh, have it. I'll op open it up to... Uh, uh, to the fireside. I can give some context. Sure, that'd be great. Is this, uh, this sounds like Zach? Yep. So this all kind of kicked off. So um, EOS is the very first carbon neutral blockchain. It was very ahead of its time uh, since, uh, I believe, around November 2018. So in November 2018, EOS Authority kind of led the charge. They took donations from a number of block producers, and they did the very first ever uh, carbon offsets for a blockchain. 
since then, it's just kind of become the norm. So uh, uh, this isn't something that EOS is the only one doing at this point. Everyone's doing it at this point. And if you're not doing it, then it, it, it's you're not even meeting the status quo. So we see this time and time again, every time a bull market comes along, and I know we're, we're not in one right now, but um, the happening is next year. And this is something we've been doing for the last five years. So it was very important to continue it so that we can continue to say that we're the longest, uh, lo longest running carbon neutral blockchain, for example. So there, there's never been a time where it wasn't. Because once the media starts kind of picking up on Bitcoin again, and the happening is next year, there's going to be questions of um, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's um, electricity usage, their, their, their carbon consumption, and how it's bad for the environment. Whenever that is in the like, mainstream news cycles, as, as a, a blockchain protocol or as any even blockchain project, NFT projects see the same thing. You get questions from investors of, uh, are you sustainable? And this initiative is the easiest way. Yeah, we are. We not only uh, offset our um, carbon again this year for the fifth year in a row, but we went above and beyond um, by offsetting it by 3x. Um, some questions came up in Telegram today about the costs. Well, um, first of all, the, the cost was calculated based on some surveys. So a couple of months ago, um, I believe Liam or Laura or both of them uh, came on here and discussed that we surveyed the block producers because the um, the energy consumption data that had been being used for the last four years was kind of dated. There's been numerous improvements to the efficiencies of the EOS blockchain. So a lot of the numbers that EOS Authority was using in previous years uh, for the carbon offsets was actually um, higher than what's actually being used. So uh, we got accurate data so that we could showcase uh, what the energy consumption is of the network, and then um, there were some people in Telegram asking about it. Uh, it it's a $7,000 cost to the network, and that's half of the cost. Uh, Upland also contributed as a sponsor, um, and that's essentially that that's a showcase of how little energy the EOS blockchain actually uses. Um, it, it's not much at all. Um, but the main thing is one, everyone's doing it Two, um, we're going to get these questions upland. Uh, so as far as like how this all came about upland was the, uh, sole, uh, sponsor for the last two years. So from 2021 and 2022 upland took it upon themselves to be the only ones that were sponsoring these carbon offsets for the EOS blockchain because it was very important to them because um, as a for-profit business, as a business uh, that, that is, uh, goes through multiple or has been through multiple rounds of raising capital, they talk to a lot of investors, they talk to a lot of um, institutions, they are constantly asked that sustainability question. So when we were at consensus uh, back in April, uh, we did some uh, co-marketing and some uh, ran some events with Upland, and it came up that the carbon offsets um, were about to expire uh, in May of this year. So they approached us and asked us if we wanted to partner on it because it was very important to them because they need to m ensure 
that they're built on a carbon neutral blockchain that is sustainable because it's in all of their pitch decks. It comes up constantly in investor meetings uh, and, and it was just very important to them. So that's kind of what kicked all of this off. So uh, we did or we wanted to get the new block producer uh, energy consumption data. And then we, we sought out the different uh, carbon credit vendors um, and actually found much. Uh, it's a different vendor than what EOS Authority had used in the past. They were using Climate Care. Um, but Laura, um, she had a connection with um, this company, Ariel. They worked with a lot of different NFT projects and other blockchains. Uh, so we chose them as our partner and it, it took a little bit of time because we wanted to do it right. Um, and today is, I guess, the, the news, uh, which I, I agree with, uh, you, Andrew. I'm quite pleased with the, uh, the media coverage as well because my expectations, um, weren't that high because, like I said, this is something that everyone's doing. It, it's, it's, it's black eye if you're not doing it. Uh, because these questions do come up in a lot of meetings and it doesn't need to be a big part of the conversation. Now it is, is your blockchain sustainable? Yeah, here. And then we have all of the data at this link. Uh, we'll have the sustainability uh, landing page up uh, in, in a bit. And it just maintains that the network uh, maintains not only carbon neutrality, but is now carbon negative or climate positive. Same thing. Um, and I guess one other note, I can't recall, I don't think it was mentioned in the blog post or the press release because it's kind of getting into the weeds. Because the um, carbon offsets from 2022 that Upland solely sponsored on their own, uh, since they expired in May, and since we were a little bit behind schedule this year, we actually went retroactive. So uh, the carbon offsets actually go backwards and cover uh, until May. So there's no gap in coverage. and we can now proclaim, and we have been able to proclaim, uh, that EOS is the very first uh, carbon neutral blockchain, and that we are now uh, climate positive. So super happy about that. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I I was just wondering something while you were uh, describing the energy consumption survey. Um, does the energy consumption numbers, uh, or do the energy consumption numbers include standby BPs as well as active BPs? Yeah. Uh, Laura, are you on this call to kind of um, explain how, how the survey is done and how the uh, numbers were calculated? So I, I, I don't know if she's on. Let me see. Yeah, if not, no worries. It's fine. I, I, they were. Um, so basically, uh, I can't remember how many block producers submitted their data, but we basically took an average, and, and this is off of my memory, we took an average of the, I can't remember the number of how many block producers submitted, took the average of what their energy consumption was and then multiplied it by the number of paid block producers. We, we stopped at uh, where the, the pay cutoff was. So whatever that number was, 60 something, I believe, is where we cut it off. Because not every, like once you get to a certain threshold, if a block producer shuts their infrastructure off, but never unregistered as a BP, they technically are on the list of BPs, but they're not getting paid. So we stopped at the, the uh, pay threshold. Yeah, and uh, if you were to include all the other ones too, it would maybe be double or something like that. It's uh, regardless, it's a very low. I I think the additional three x of uh, the carbon uh, footprint. I I think that 
covers all those extra standbys, even if they are uh, still running in their infrastructure. That that was definitely factored in was to go above and beyond just because there's other things that weren't calculated. I mean, uh, some block producers run uh, history APIs and some don't. So there, there's other components to it that weren't able to be calculated accurately. So that was another reason to go above and beyond was because the, in my mind, there's no no real possible way that we undershot the number by 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 going with the three x and the cost. So the cost to do this was actually less than uh, what Upland paid last year to not be climate positive. So that was the benefit of going with Ariel as the vendor um, and kind of going about it ourselves. We were able to get. Um, better cost savings on the carbon credits themselves also. So by paying less, we actually got more. Huh, that's interesting. So I'm curious, how do you vet or audit a, sustainab- a sustainability partner to work with? Uh, we, we have certificates as like the owners, they have expiration dates on them. I believe uh, we just got them yesterday or, or recently, but I don't think they were included in the blog post, but there's like certificates of authenticity. And this isn't necessarily my wheelhouse, but I'm, I'm speaking with uh, as far as how I understand it. And I uh, saw their certificates. I mean, it's a, this whole industry, it's kind of, you know, in some ways um, decentralized. Um, there's no like um, global authority that, um, I don't know, verifies everything. I'm not real sure how it's all regulated, but I do know that, um, certain carbon vendors are more credible than others. So it was like really important as we were kind of comparing all of the different vendors to make sure like we, we chose a highly credible one in Ariel. Yeah, that's that's definitely a blockchain use case, trying to uh, have actually verifiable carbon credits. But that's, uh, that, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll see that happen in the future, maybe. I mean, there's, um, so the other option, so Ariel is cool because they, had worked with a lot of NFT projects and other protocols. Uh, so they're, they're familiar with the industry. Um, there are, or there's at least one carbon credit vendor that's on chain and that's ClimateDAO. Um, they're a Polygon project. Uh, they leverage something called Toucan Protocol, which tokenizes uh, the carbon offsets and makes them kind of tradable on chain. Uh, that was actually my preferred vendor that I wanted to go with initially. But the problem with that was just the cost. There were it was much higher cost for whatever reason uh, to to use them. And then I, I forget what the other complication was there. But there are more coming on online. I know, like Shintai, has said that they've been working with a carbon credit vendor to bring it on chain. And I know that there's a lot of other uh, projects trying to do the same. So ideally, uh, we'll we'll see something like that in the future. Yeah, it'd be a very cool integration. Integrating with yep. Chinta, that'd be great. I'm curious. I, I don't know if anyone knows this, but uh, how many trees would you have to plant to offset the whole Bitcoin blockchain? A little bit more expensive than uh, than the 7000 it costs to, uh, to be climate neutral, for, or I guess climate positive in our case, for EOS. So it, it, just to be clear, it was doubled. Like that was the cost to the network. So Upland also covered seven. So be oh i see okay yeah (laughs) still it's probably probably substantially more expensive on bitcoin (laughs) 
Yeah, in, in years prior, uh, EOS Authority through their sponsorships is around 16k to just be be carbon uh, neutral. So I, I don't know where the disparity was there, um, but I wasn't involved with it. So, so what's the answer? How many trees? Uh, I, I do not know. It's, this was a, a calculation I had not done yet. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, it would be a lot. No one's really talking about this stuff right now. But as soon as Bitcoin starts making the news again, it's going to hit the news cycles of how bad crypto is for the environment. And when that happens, like we're prepared. And, and we're, we're doing our, I, I guess, duties as human beings to... Um, Make sure we're not leaving uh, the the world in a worse place than uh, we we got it in. Yana says four hundred and thirty million trees. Jeez, better uh, start planting them, Lovejoy. Yeah, uh, don't worry. I planted many trees this year already. Um, I was gonna say though that like I got into this debate about this topic with somebody, um, and it's kind of interesting because you know, like in an ecosystem. You know, we don't, I don't need to go full on ego warrior on you guys, but like an old growth forest sequesters way more carbon than a patch of land with the same number of trees. Like there's just no comparison. And it's really hard to, it's really hard to um, calculate that. So um, I applaud efforts to reforest uh, the earth in different places. But, and then there are people that'll be like, we've, we've got more trees now than we've ever had. But, um, you know, it's all a matter of quality, not quantity. Anyway, <laughs> I've been yeah, trying really to do my part. I not to talk about it this much, but uh, sure. <laughs> Keep going if you want. Or, <laughs> I don't know what's on the agenda. <laughs> we can we can move on to, yep. um, I, I was just going to mention I did plant an avocado tree. I'm trying to do my part, but then it nice. died. So Nice. Uh, well, it, it dying is not as nice, but. Well, it's it's not quite dead yet. I'm still holding on hope. <laughs> Looks very very sad. It's a Monty Python throwback right there. Yeah, that's. Turns out you need to water your plants if you want them to survive. So I know that works. Yeah. Any any other uh, any other thoughts on this item here? I'll put on a little bit of music. I, I was just going to mention that you you oh, need yeah. uh, two avocado trees also for them to bear fruit. So you might need another avocado tree. Mm. Yeah. Specifically, there's there's avocado trees that fall into the A category and the B category, and one of them opens up as uh, male in the morning and then female at night, and the other one opens up as female in the morning and male at night. I'm assuming that's your, oh. what you're referring to. Yeah, that's correct. That's amazing. Yeah, I've I've done my research. Just uh, didn't didn't water them. <laughs> I love this botany moment on the fireside chat. This is you never know what you're gonna learn. <laughs> uh, I've got a question for for Zach. Uh, did uh, did you guys contact Kuntai and, and talk about uh, working with them because they're they're way beyond the first step on this. They're they're deep. I don't know how how closely you're following that. They're they're quite deep on this, and they're they're actually prepared to start trading carbon credits, and uh, so that could be something that could be bought and sold and by uh, yeah. So I'm curious to know if you mean maybe yeah. So maybe next year. Uh, none of the platforms were live uh, to actually uh, buy the credits. So that was 
the issue. And keep in mind that like this um, process began, I don't know, roughly in May. So it was even a few months prior. So they're even less far along. So it just wasn't a viable option for this year. Okay, I got it. Uh, are you tracking what's happening in uh, with regard to the Chinese government on this topic? I think there's a group uh, called Chinese Carbon Emissions Removal Commission that is kind of like uh, it's kind of like what uh, the partner of Shintai, known as the Asian Carbon Institute, which just launched, and also what Ariel is doing. Uh, where they're verifying projects and then assigning credits to them. Uh, are you tracking uh, what they're doing? They, my understanding is that they, they were live and operating and, and verifying projects and trading carbon credits back in 2016, but they closed due to the fact that they were not actually, no one was accepting the, the value of those, those credits at that time. In other words, they weren't accepting the verification and they weren't trading very well. But they're reopening next month. They're reopening in October this year. And uh, I'm just wondering if that's since you – I think you invested in a project in China. I think, I think that's what I heard is that that's where you, you're gaining some oh, of your – Yeah. I'm mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not aware. Um, th this isn't like – sustainability is important. Um, and, and we did the offsets, but it's it's not necessarily the top, like to, to continue banging that drum, like throughout the year, I, I wouldn't expect that. Like, that's not what this is. Uh, we offset the uh, pollution or the energy consumption uh, created by the network, but it's not something that we're taking a lot of time out of our day um, to do. I mean, we're, we're building the protocol uh, doing BD, like trying to uh, get EVM 0.6 out the door, which uh, the launch date uh, was announced. If you noticed it on socials, October 16th will be the mainnet launch for the EOS EVM uh, 0.6. That'll enable uh, altcoins on the trustless bridge, starting with USDT, uh, cross-chain communication between EOS native and EOS EVM. Um, so that's kind of like <laughs> where more of the focus is than on uh, this particular industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not promoting it. Uh, I, I, that's not where I'm coming from. I'm, I am tracking it closely because Shintai's uh, embarked in that direction. So I was just curious to know if you guys had, uh, had run across the same thing and you're, you're aware of that or this was leading to that, but apparently it's not. Uh, just as, a, as an aside, um, I, I would ask if anybody has done their own personal test and see where they rank and ask themselves if in the future they may be asked by their bank, especially if they bank at JP Morgan, if they will be they will be asked to buy credits or be forced to buy credits, be mandated to buy credits. Uh, I took mine. I'm not going to disclose exactly what it was, but I took it. And I consider my lifestyle at this moment to be quite modest in that respect. And I, it looks like I was above the average. So the, according to, to the test that I took. So it, it's something that we should all be very aware of. It's, it's likely to impact us because the most powerful institutions in the world are getting behind it. And that's probably why you felt it, uh, 
it was necessary that we that that the U.S. chain got behind it. But it's going to have an impact on us individually. Everybody needs to, I think, be be thinking about that. Thanks. Yeah, great. Thank you for sharing. I feel like uh, Chintai will uh, potentially represent a good way for individuals to offset their own carbon if if that's something that they enable. It's, I haven't explored their options yet. I'm not sure if that's available. Be nice. At the moment, it's it's more institutions, right? institutions, businesses, not so much individual, but that could change. A stretch goal. All right. Anything else on this topic? We got plenty more to talk about today. Sounds like maybe we can move on. So our next topic is EOS Independence Day, which was last week, technically, but who's counting? Uh, September 21st is uh, EOS's Independence Day. One year ago, or I guess one year and six days ago, the EOS community reached a massive milestone with the upgrade to Antelope Leap 3.1. This hard fork upgrade solidified the EOS community's independence from the old code base, the old code base that had become problematic due to the original maintainer's neglect. Welcome to the new era with the network shifting to the Antelope Leap code base, maintained by a coalition of EOS, Telos, UX Network, and WAX. Uh, to celebrate this milestone, the GEMS team, the .GEMS team, is launching a new giveaway. The giveaway involves the EOS Moment NFTs, I don't know if you remember those, that were released to celebrate the recent five-year anniversary of the EOS mainnet. Uh, prizes of 21 EOS will be drawn every month for collectors who hold the full set of 21 moments, and that is 21 EOS to each of up to, I believe, 20 um, uh, users who hold the full set of 21 moments and a monthly pop token raffle ticket. Uh, the EOS Moment NFTs can be earned through the monthly raffle, and they can be collected on the Atomic Hub marketplace. I can... I've got the specific Atomic Hub link here. I'll share that in the chat as I can get that figured out. Kind of <laughs> hold the base. <laughs> Nathan James noticed my uh, misspeak there. Uh, there's been a lot of recent trading activity on Atomic Hub for these EOS moments. I was checking in and uh, there used to be maybe one sale every few days, but now I see dozens of sales per day. Uh, people seem to be excited about this giveaway. Uh, you can find some contest details. There's a few um, sort of more uh, more down-to-it details here. Um, you can find those details on this EOS Network Foundation post. Oh, the one that Yana just shared, and I did too. Do you have any uh, any EOS moment collectors out there? Who are uh, are sort of doing their part to uh, <laughs> to pump up those uh, EOS moment sales numbers? Hey, Andrew, how's it going? Oh, that sounds like our uh, our normal fireside host, Stefan. That's right. That's right. Che checking in with you guys, and just wanted to share a bit of uh, my thoughts on this promotion and kind of how we went about designing it. I mean, Andrew, you got the gist of it. That's right. Whoever is holding the sets will be rewarding them with additional prizes every month, along with the monthly pop token raffles. And another element of this promotion is that I went out. And I bought all of these moments right before this promotion was announced in order to make it fair for everyone. 
all of these moments, all these crates, all of these capsules that were bought. So if you had some on, on the market, boom, you got your asking price, no worries, as long as it was reasonable. They're all being put back into the party cracker price pool, which are distributed through the monthly raffles. So all those moments are still staying within the community. And this promo is uh, designed to reward the people who held on to your moments, who were active on social media this year, helping us promote all, uh, all things EOS. And so hopefully, yeah, I see... Hopefully this adds a bit of excitement to the monthly raffles, to your EOS Moments collecting journey. And yeah, we'll be giving prizes for many months. Um, 20 prizes of 21 EOS every month. If there's more than 20 holders holding the full set, which I think is unlikely at first, maybe eventually we'll get there. We'll be adding some one EOS prizes to make sure everyone gets a prize and it'll be randomly drawn to see who who gets the 21 uh, EOS prizes. So if you collect your set early and you buy these monthly raffle tickets every month for the next couple of months, then you'll be eligible to win these this bonus prize uh, prize pool for everyone. So um, most of these pop tokens, of course, are given out on this fireside. There's also the Chinese fireside, Spanish fireside. There's the all of the EOS synergy shows that EOS Supports puts on. So all of our most active EOS community members are going to be rewarded through this contest and through these NFTs. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. I'm enjoying my vacation, spending lots of time outdoors. Actually, kind of funny, we're talking about sustainability. I was just out there in my yard pushing down trees and breaking all sorts of trees and branches, cleaning up some storm debris. Um, but yeah, felt appropriate coming into all this talk of planting millions of trees for EOS. It's all part of the carbon cycle. There you go. Exactly. exactly. I hope you're offsetting that. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm curious, Stefan, how many EOS moments will be on offer to raffle ticket holders? So it varies, and they're actually going to become rarer over time. So we were giving, you know, a bunch of a bunch of capsules, a bunch of crates, and some party crackers to all the of the monthly raffle ticket holders. The amount of uh, crates is going to go down over time. So most of the time, you'll be able to get maybe one moment uh, per raffle ticket. Uh, but of course, there's other prizes in there, et cetera. So it's not guaranteed you get a EOS moment when you hold the raffle tickets. But you'll have a good chance. And yeah, we'll see how long uh, how long we can give away prizes every month to our set holders. Do you have a favorite EOS moment? Uh, the origin the, the origin one is is pretty solid. Uh, w was one of my favorites from the start, um, but I have a a, a bunch of, of of very cool ones. Um, the Pomelo one, obviously, being part of Pomelo, that one's that one's nice. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll stick with those two for now. Um, also, I, I I don't know if uh, you know the answer to this question, but I I was wondering this: Are the twenty one EOS moments a reference to? The 21 block producers, or maybe the 21st day of September, the EOC Independence Day, or something else? Yeah, all of, it, all of the above. All of the above. Let's add uh, 21 million Bitcoins in there. Why not? Feels like 21 is a pretty popular crypto number, so felt appropriate. It's also the target in Blackjack, which I, I realize <laughs> poker is your game, but... I've played some Blackjack. Don't worry. When, I, uh, when I'm the I'm playing poker and I've had too many drinks at the casino. I may jack table from time to time. It uh, looks like. But uh, yeah, I'm going to head out back to my yard. going to go push down some more dead trees and um, let you keep on doing a great job here hosting, uh, hosting the fireside. Well, that's great. Thanks for joining us. 
And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I guess I, I won't judge you for the fact that you're, you're sort of doing the opposite of what the EOS network is doing here, trying to plant trees. <laughs> uh, hey, they're dead trees. You got to do what only, you got to do. <laughs> exactly. Right. I try to only push down the dead trees. My girlfriend, however, wants to cut down tons of trees and put some flowers. Or I don't know what she wants to do, but I've been resisting for the betterment of humankind to about her uh, her desires to cut down my trees i think it's also better for the trees uh just because i mean for uh you know forest fires that kind of thing That'll end up your girlfriend. <laughs> Zing. all right guys see you uh see you all in a couple weeks awesome thanks stefan appreciate you joining thanks andrew so I, I got a question for the community now. Do you, uh, anyone have any favorite highlights from the past year of independence that they'd like to share? I will say, I think one of my favorite moments was uh, the release of IBC, which um, had been promised for, yeah, probably the better part of half a decade. And then wouldn't you know it, ENF engineers were able to, uh, with the help of the Antelope Coalition, get it all, all squared away. So that's a, a very impressive milestone. All right, seems like we can move on here. Our next topic is Pomelo Season 7, which today is open for donations. Nearly 40 projects have already been approved, and as the team gets through the backlog of grant applications, more approvals are on their way. Uh, grants that have been approved can sign up for the Pomelo Pitch Sessions, which are held on Twitter Spaces, um, as well as Tencent Vuv, which I just looked up the other day. Kind of looks like their version of Zoom. Um, and then Rapid Fire Pitch Sessions will be happening here on Discord. Uh, so the Pomelo Spaces pitch sessions, those are on uh, Twitter spaces or X spaces in English. Uh, you get to pitch your project in under five minutes. There are up to 15 pitches per session, uh, which means that the pitch sessions can last up to 90 minutes, depending on demand. There will be spaces number one will be on Friday, September 9th. Sorry, September 29th. That is this coming Friday at 1600 UTC. The following Friday on October 6th will be our second Pomelo Spaces in English. Um, October 6th at 1600 UTC once again. And then number three will be on Friday, October 13th, again at 1600 UTC. Then we've also got the Pomelo Pitch Sessions Chinese edition, which will be hosted in Tencent or Vuv meeting uh, in Chinese and, in, and also in English. And that will be hosted by the EOS Nation Asia team. It's a great opportunity to share your project with the Chinese community. It's hosted in Chinese with a translator present and available for English pitches. Uh, Non-Chinese participants should download the English version of Tencent Conference, which is VUV Meeting. That's uh, VUVMeeting.com. You can find all of this information on the uh, pitch session application sign-up, which I will share here in the chat. Uh, buzzing there you go um there's a maximum of four pitches per session for these uh, for this uh chinese 
fireside chat. It takes a little bit longer to do the translations, so it's a little bit less, uh, uh, or rather, a little bit fewer pitches than in the in the English uh, pitch session. Uh, Chinese pitch session number one will be on Friday, September 29th at 1200 UTC, which is 8 p.m. or 2000, 20 o'clock Beijing time. Uh, number two, Chinese pitch session number two will be on Friday, October 6th, again at 12 o'clock UTC. And then Chinese pitch session number three will be on Friday, October 13th, again at 1200 UTC. We've also got um, another, the Korean edition, Pamela Pitch Sessions Korean edition, which that one will be on Twitter Spaces and will be in Korean, English, and Chinese. It's uh, hosted by the EOS Nation Asia team, along with Max from Eden Korea. It's a great opportunity to share your project with the Korean community. Uh, it's hosted in Korean, supportive of English and Chinese presenters, uh, with English and Chinese pro projects each uh, explained briefly in Korean. Um, again, since we got this translation, each project gets 15 minutes, five-minute description, five-minute explanation, and then five minutes for Q&A. And again, probably three to four projects per session for this one. Uh, Korean pitch session number one will be on Thursday, October 5th at uh, 1200 UTC. And then Korean pitch session number two will be on Thursday, October 12th at 1200 UTC. And then finally, we've got the Pomelo Rapid Fire pitch session, which will be hosted right here, if you're in the Discord, on the EOS Community Discord in English. And that will be hosted by myself. It's a great opportunity to engage with the community and introduce your project during a popular event. Each project gets 30 seconds to present. The Pomelo Rapid Fire will be on Wednesday, October 11th from 1930 to uh, 2000, 20 o'clock UTC. Um, and we might have some time next week to sneak in a few. So I, I shared this sign-up form there. Uh, feel free if your application has been approved. Hop in there, fill out the sign-up form. Uh, let us know which of these pitch sessions you'd like to join. You're welcome to join um, as many of them as you're interested in. Just because you go on the Pomelo Spaces English pitch session, uh, that does not preclude you from joining the Chinese edition or Korean edition or the rapid-fire pitch session. So the more the merrier. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about a project, as well as, as its uh, development milestones, and uh, you want to see how effectively funds have been deployed, uh, you can request that EOS Audit does an audit of the project. So EOS Audit, they're actually, um, they've got their own Pomelo grant here, um, but uh, they present a great opportunity to uh, audit different Pomelo projects. If uh, you're interested in uh, sort of requesting that they uh, audit a project, feel free. I just put that link there and uh, just follow that link. You support the project audit request and uh, yeah, request an audit for, for I think pretty much any Pomelo grant. So that's uh that is our season seven of Pomelo. It's kicking off today, at least the donations. Uh, any thoughts or questions from the community? Nice. Looks like uh, Marcus shared the EOS Audit Pomelo grant there. Might be nice to have 
little bit, bit of a meta. Maybe get EOS Audit to audit EOS Audit. Anyone have some favorite Pomelo grants they'd like to share? All right, well, in that case, we can move on. Um, when we get to the end of the show today, feel free to share your grant when we're in our off-topic banter section. Uh, all right, up next. Uh, our next topic is EOS USDT, which is now listed on Change Now. So I, I did a little bit of research into this. Uh, uh, EOS-based USDT is now listed on the Change Now Exchange, which is an interesting exchange. It's notable in that it's non-custodial and does not require an account to use. So uh, much like Shapeshift, I don't know if you've, anyone's ever used that, uh, but much like the Shapeshift exchange, you can just put in the first currency, the one that you're sending, and then you put in the second currency, the currency that you want, as well as the receiving address for it. And then it gives you a little request. You send the specified amount of the first currency uh, to a specific address with a specific memo, and voila, swaps with the currency that you want and sends to the receiving address. It's a, a very cool service. Brah, indeed. Sorry, was there a... Something to say there? <laughs> I'll just say uh, represent. It's a it's a cool service. I really appreciate not having to make make an account. Uh, it has almost seven hundred coins available for exchange, um, and there's no limit, so you can exchange as much as you want. And they even have a fiat option, which allows you to purchase most of their available cryptocurrencies with Visa or Mastercard uh, through a third party partner, and I was surprised by how many tokens are available via fiat. You could even buy Monero via fiat, which I think that might be the first time I've seen that. <laughs> as well as EOS, obviously. And now EOS USDT. Uh, has anyone gotten a chance to use Change Now or, or heard of that exchange before? It's a, it's a pretty cool uh, pretty cool service. I, I, uh, looks like Zach's never used Shapeshift. That was... I don't know if they're around still. I've missed it many, many times over the years. Change now. Oh yeah, can it, it's always is it, been a. It's always been a good experience. Always frightening because you know I'm skeptical of all crypto. Uh, skeptical of using uh, crypto exchanges and whatnot, but it's always been a good experience. That's good to hear. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm always a little bit skeptical when it's like, all right, send your tokens here, and we'll send other tokens back. But <laughs> exactly. you send like one token and then you send more tokens. Ah, uh, yes, yes, that is that is the way to do it. That is best practice in the crypto industry. You test with with a small amount, and then you do the same thing, just change the amount. Boom. Hey, Very cool. Me? Yeah, I can hear you. I was curious. Uh, I'm just checking it now. Uh, I was uh, I'm in the states and trying to change USDT over EOS to USD. I, uh, looks like it's not available. Anyone know anything about that? Uh, my guess would be, and uh, to be clear, to answer your question, no, I don't know anything about that. So I'm okay. just making this up as I go. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
what I would imagine is that because you don't have an account, they're not going to do like an, a bank transfer. And then when you go to, if it were to basically put it on credit card or something like that, that's a much more complex uh, situation. So, so that's my assumption, but uh, yeah, the, the note is trading pair, trading pair not available now. Please check back later. Uh, this is interesting. I'll, I'll make an account. It's kind of, I've never seen this before, so it's kind of cool to check out. That's a but, nice I mean, thing. Per, you don't even need to make an account. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. Per usual, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, the laws and regulations in the States in the U S make things harder, you know, but that's par for course, of course. Yeah. I, I was, I was frankly quite surprised that the, the onboarding process was at least as straightforward as it was. I didn't have not yet tried to buy um, cryptos just directly with credit debit card, but having that as an option and the number of tokens available with that option is, is very impressive. Yeah. I'm just really interested in uh, USDT over US because previously it was only available through Binance, which is not, uh, if you know, if you wanted to convert, convert it to fiat, you, you know, you can't, you can't use, Binance in the U.S. and so I've been waiting for an exchange where I could, first of all, use USDT over EOS and then be able to buy and sell into USD. You know, so just still waiting. Um, I can provide a little color to this. Um, Please, Brandon. I, I haven't used the uh, their this ex- the change now um, website yet personally, but um. Ben, it's a really interesting organization. Um, we've been in touch with the team. Um, they run nodes, they run infrastructure as well. So they've got like a bunch of different kind of, it's like a house of brands sort of, or maybe that's not the right term, but they've got change now, now nodes, uh, um, now solutions. If you go to the footer of any of their websites, you'll see like they have a bunch of related different services. Um, and they're, uh, yeah, they've been really friendly and uh, really excited to interact with us here and the EOS ecosystem. And um, what else was I going to say? I think someone from Now Solutions might come on the Fireside Chat next week. So I guess uh, bring your questions. And I, I, I will. I told him to reach out. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for thanks for mentioning that. Um, uh, do you, Brandon? Uh, I mean, I think you're stateside. Like, are, do you know of a way to convert EOS, uh, USDT over EOS into um, into fiat if you're in the states? Um, USDT EOS. Um, I don't know. I usually um, I use Kraken personally, mm. and so I send everything to Kraken, um, which never had any problems. I don't know that I've ever. They have their own. I don't know. I must profess my ignorance here. I don't know if they That's support okay. the EOS USDT. Um, but but yeah, usually I usually if I need to go in or out of anything, yeah. Yeah, I hope. EOS I, think then, just, I think it's just two exchanges right now. If I uh, I'm talking about centralized exchanges. It sounds like Change is kind of like mm-hmm. a hybrid, but Binance and Change, aside from all the DEXs, of course, um, that support. USDT over EOS. So looking forward to it, you know, hopefully maybe Kraken <laughs> start supporting it eventually or, you know. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, oh, I think that coin does that. I think it's, it's Binance, uh, 
I think Gate IO supports USDT EOS, and mm. then Aaron just mentioned KuCoin also uh, supports USDT oh. on EOS. Uh, they're Bitcoin? they're asking me for KYC now. I may just have to leave those coins abandoned. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah pay the piper. That was the, last, that was the last great um, non KYC exchange, and then no longer. Uh, Brandon, I'm I'm curious. Maybe you you don't have the information, but uh, do you do you happen to know what those other uh, products that change now uh, supports are? Or, now payments, now custody, now nodes. Uh, any idea about those? Might be a good question for next next week. Yeah, Nathan, Nathan, James, I and I, I know we've been talking. Um, so I got you. I, I have the info here if you, if you want. Take it away. Sure. All right. So uh, there's change now, which is the, the entity for the, uh, I guess, like swaps. Um, there is now payments, which is kind of like a, an integrated payment solution there. I'm not sure what chain solutions is, uh, but there's also, um, or now solutions, sorry. There's also now nodes, which is an infrastructure provider. Um, those are the, those are the ones that I know off the top of my head. The, when they come on in the future, uh, one of the issues is that those entities are very segregated. So they might have some overarching information about what the other uh the others do and what they are but i doubt they'll have kind of intricate inner information about ones that they're not a part of so for instance if change if now solutions comes on it's unlikely they'll be able to answer the questions about kyc in in the united or um why usdt is not enabled in the United states because they're just a completely separate entity run by uh a completely separate team under an umbrella corporation Seems potentially wise given the uh, the big question marks in the crypto industry. Yeah, that's definitely most likely one of their reasonings for doing so. But also, I think it's just great from a product perspective because they are able to focus the entirety of their resources in one direction. Yeah, for sure. Makes a lot of sense. Cool. Anyone in the community have any uh, additional thoughts, anything they'd like to add on this uh, on, on change now and their uh, EOSUSDT listing? Sounds like we're pretty satisfied with that one there. So uh, now we can move on to our next topic here, which uh, Nathan, you might be able to add a little bit of uh, of context here. I'll I'll let you know what I know, and then you can fill in the uh, the the holes in my knowledge. Uh, so this is some breaking news for uh, EVM fans. Uh, version zero point six point zero of the EOS EVM is now live on Jungle Testnet for testing. And as Zach mentioned earlier, October 16th will be its release to mainnet. Uh, this version expands on the trustless bridge that sends native EOS to the EOS EVM, which to be clear is not a connection to the Ethereum network, but rather a connection to an execution environment for Solidity-based applications that lives within the EOS network. Uh, this release adds two new mechanisms which provide the foundations that are necessary for other components to expand the trustless bridge far beyond its initial capabilities. Um, the idea here is being able to not only uh, bridge uh, EOS 
to EOS EVM, but also to bridge other assets such as USDT um, and presumably just any token on the EOS network that you'd like to bridge over to EOS EVM. Um, so there's two new uh, capabilities. One of them is called the call action, which allows EOS accounts to trigger EOS EVM transactions. And then bridge messages, which allow messages to be sent from EOS EVM to EOS native. And the, the, release, the release of these bridge contracts uh, demonstrates how these mechanisms can be used to enable other tokens on EOS, like uh, EOSDT, which I mentioned. And that would be using the same trustless bridge that uh, the EOS token uses when it's moved over to the EOS EVM. So that's my understanding of it. <laughs> Now, I, I would like to open it up to uh, anyone who might have some more context on that. I mentioned Nathan because I know that you're you're much more knowledgeable about these things than I am. So if you got any additional you, you did context, we're free to share. Excellent job. You, you really oh, you hit the you. nail on the head there. Um, the, the one token that's going to be supported right now with the... Uh, well, the one token that we aim to support immediately was USDT. Uh, but the integration that actually happened, the code that was developed is a little more dynamic than that, right? So it allows other tokens to be enabled in the future, uh, though we are limiting to this one because just limiting the surface of a brand new technology. Um, the two different things. So the call function that you had mentioned and the bridge, mes bridge messages tie into what we had discussed last week. So there's this concept of the back and forth integrations between the EVM and the EOS native network. Uh, this is what we broke out the whiteboard for last week. And this is really opening those things up for, for testing. One of them is open for everybody. So the call function, which you do from EOS native into the EVM. So you're able to call EVM, uh, actions or EVM functions from the base layer from EOS native. And the other one, the bridge message is currently locked down. So you'd have, we're finding a way to uh, implement a system to open this up to people in the future, uh, because there is some kind of concern there around consumption of resources of the, the relays, the, uh, the miners who sign transactions for people on, um, on the EVM. And we want to make sure that that doesn't get uh, exploited. So until we have the future development required to make this more accessible without those uh, concerns, we're, we're currently limiting this to people that are whitelisted on that contract. And in this case, that happens to be the USDT contract to start. Um, but this very much is opening up new capabilities for, for EOS, where we have the ability to go cross VM uh, which is not something you see a lot in in blockchain at all. It's quite novel, and it opens up a lot of possibilities, especially uh, something we were talking about yesterday, which is uh, cross-chain swapping, so um, liquidity pools that exist on, on two different VMs. Well, they're not cross-chain, yeah, cross-VM swapping. Liquidity pools that exist across multiple VMs but are used as a single single liquidity pool as well as the ability to arbitrage this. Uh, there's new possibilities for um, earning potentials, et cetera, et cetera. So some pretty cool stuff that's being opened up. Yeah, that's very cool. And um, from what I'm I'm looking at, it looks like, well, not quite yet because the bridge messages need to be uh, on a whitelisted contract, but 
sort of in theory, you can basically take this same uh, EVM bridge contract and deploy it to uh, essentially transmit your whatever tokens you want that are on the EOS side over to the EOS EVM side. So this those bridge contracts, uh, it didn't have to come from us, right? This is something that we actually discussed on a call yesterday, which I thought was an, a really interesting point. The bridge contracts didn't have to be deployed by the foundation. They could have been deployed by anybody with the new functionality of call and the bridge message. Uh, we happened to do this because we want to dog food our own material, and we had a goal of enabling USDT across the VMs. But anybody can take this technology and build either this or similar things on both VMs to support this kind of cross-VM compatibilities. So to answer your question, TLDR, yes, you could do this for any token uh, on either the native side or the EPM side. So from a customer perspective, let's say that I have some USDT on an exchange, and let's say that that exchange has uh, EOS USDT enabled. So like we were talking about uh, Binance, for example. Um, does that mean I can take my USDT and send them directly to the, uh, the EVM contract? Um, and then I could then take that and uh, transmit it over over this bridge to EOS native? Is that a potential use case? It is. One small clarification is that there's a, there's a new address to send stuff to, so it won't be eosio.evm. It'll be eosio.evm in. Uh, this is going to be explained in, in some other materials, but the... A relayer? The, it's yeah, exactly. It's a relayer who which you can send either EOS or ERC twenties to, and then those will go to wherever they're supposed to go, uh, because they are different contracts. And we didn't want to pollute the EOSIO.EVM code with more uh, complexity because it's just getting quite large and it serves multiple pur purposes now. We wanted to make sure that it had a singular, a singular intent. I don't know if you know the answer to this question, Nathan, but. Um... Zach has a uh, a comment in the in the chat. When you guys talk about USDT, I feel like I'm in the movie Don't Look Up. That's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, but that that sort of brings up a question to my mind. Um, I, I know we've got USDT on on EOS. Where have any plans to um, onboard any other stable coins onto the um, either EOS native or EOS EVM? Maybe this is more of a Zach question. Yeah, now to think about it, probably. <laughs> I'm not sure if Zach has any additional um, thoughts on that one. Um, right now, uh, the priority was USDT uh, because of its importance to DeFi. Um, yeah, it's definitely Nathan, the most used. Yeah, Nathan, I mean, as Nathan mentioned, like we had a call last night with the engineers and product to kind of discuss some of the next use cases. So um, there's just no process in place. As Nathan said, anyone could deploy the contracts for the token contracts, but I think there would need to be a process with the EV or EOSIO.EVM in account to recognize additional uh, tokens. So I think it is something that will happen, um, but I'm just not familiar enough with um, the requirements uh, and, and risks and things like that. That's exactly yeah. what I was mentioning before is that, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to chime in and, and say that uh, really like what our next steps are internally, or at least like how I might define our priority is more 
uh, building the understanding of uh, how we can solve for some of those uh, vulnerabilities in terms of uh, any sort of resource abuses to then kind of let other people kind of activate this feature. So that that's really what we're focused on is less so um, specifically the next stable coin, but more so how do we actually enable this feature is, is what I'd say our, our next priority is. That's great. I just want to want to shout out everyone for uh, answering my questions here. This is, uh, and I mean, anybody who is in the fireside chat has an opportunity to ask questions of of everyone here. But uh, I I really appreciate it. I get to a random question comes into my head. I can just ask it and appreciate all the answers. It's great. So on that note, maybe I'll open it up. On that note, wait. <laughs> on that yeah. note, because uh, it's an excellent segue. We are still running the. Uh, weekly office hours with the ENF. I think it's twice a week. And we've had some increasing, uh, increased, a number of increasing people come to these calls. It's been a wonderful experience to be able to have people just ask questions. We can candidly sit there and just talk about EOS and the ENF and the we're doing. And uh, I really, if anybody has questions and you don't feel comfortable asking them in this forum of the larger, uh, the larger forum of the fireside, you are more than welcome to join those calls and just come say hello. You can put questions into the text. You don't even have to talk, uh, but we're really trying to show that we are here. We're more than happy to answer questions that we can answer and just uh, provide a little bit more community feedback and get feedback from the community. That's great. And uh, one thing I'll mention, and you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, Lovejoy, or anyone else who knows, uh, but uh, as I understand, office hours due to scheduling things will now only be on Thursdays, and that's still going to be at the same time at 1500 UTC. But I think there's uh, Twitter spaces that are always being booked on on Tuesdays. So uh, that's that's what, what I understand the situation to be. You got it. Yep. Just to be Thursdays for now. Um, is that graphic not updated, but that'll probably start next week, I believe. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, I, I, I can shout out the, uh, uh, the office hours. It's a, a good, good format to, uh, to ask questions. Um, I noticed, uh, Aaron has an interesting question here. Uh, there was a mention of, uh, the new EVM deposit method. Um, is the old method of depositing, uh, to EVM? going away or will that still work i can take this one so um oh go ahead be my guest okay yeah so basically uh if you send it the eosio.evmin that's evmn uh it it will successfully uh forward over to effectively eosio.evm when it comes to the eos token so that's basically what's ending up happening in the background so if you continue to send to eosio.evm, it will work successfully for EOS tokens. However, um, it will not be successful for other tokens. Yeah, it sounds like the uh, the uh, the EVM in is um, the relayer that then directs it to the relevant smart contract. That's correct. Yeah. And the entire idea there is just that we're we're hoping to successfully relay those things for the users so that they don't have to think about it at least when it's kind of the the most commonly accepted standard that would be that it would be processed for great ux choice in my opinion yeah so like all the do all the existing documentation even all of the older like blog articles are 
going to be updated. Uh, some of them are already updated if it's in reference to the testnet. Um, so as everyone said, like e right now you could only send EOS anyway. If you send USDT to EOSIO.EVM, it was just getting stuck there anyway. So that'll, um, I'm not sure if it rejects it now. I think that might be the case. Steven, are you able to confirm that if it'll just like reject a transaction if you try sending an altcoin yeah, to EOSIO.EVM? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It only cuts the off. Yeah. So it, it'd be hard to make a mistake. Your transaction would just fail and you might not know why the error message won't really won't be an error message that tells you that. Um, but then all the bridge front end. So most people uh, use the bridge front end to do their transfers. So that just kind of automates it for the user anyway. So it'll just go to the right account. Um, the people who would impact the most are the ones who are kind of withdrawing from an exchange. Um, and for those people, it's just a re-education process for specifically for the people who uh, have been around for the last couple of months who were exposed to the original deposit account. But we anticipate like there will be more new users than old users. So for those people, the only account name that they're going to know for these exchange withdrawals is going to be eosio.evmn. And all the documentation will reflect that. All of the graphics will reflect that. And all of the messaging will reflect that. I want to give a quick shout out to the uh, the the ENF product team. It seems like you guys have been thinking a lot about uh, user experience and and user interface, and it really shows. There we go. I know we need a sound effect there. All right. Anyone else have uh, anything they'd like to share? Any questions about a uh, EOCVM uh, version zero point six point zero? Have at it. Did I back to the payment? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Didn't question catch that. For, question for, uh, for Nathan. Uh, uh, just a quick peruse of the website. I noticed recurring invoicing and also on-chain subscriptions. Uh, the on-chain subscriptions aren't quite, aren't quite ready yet. You've got to join the wait list. Uh, do you have any idea of uh, when that might be? When that might be available, on-chain subscriptions. Sorry, on website. On the uh, now payments website. Oh, I'm unclear on that. Yeah, that I think is a better question for next week. I think uh, next week we'll have the uh, or uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, it sounds like change now and the associated uh, other products are not and don't really have much crossover as far as the Venn diagram. Um, but uh, definitely they would be more likely to know the answer to that one. Than, okay, look forward to that. I Thanks. do for sure. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they, they do all talk to one another. It's just that they're different teams. Um, and I don't know who we'll have next week yet, but um, they did express interest in joining. So we'll see who we get from which team. And I guess we'll focus on whatever they're able to, to address. Yeah. I, I would be curious about that. I know Perry, you've uh, had questions about that before. So that's, uh, it'll be interesting to explore that. What, what's the nature of the relationship or who, who's paying who or in that relationship? 
I think it's probably um, a mutually beneficial kind of thing. Yeah, oh, it, you got there's, more. No, um, there's no financial arrange, uh, relationship between the two. Um, I think what it is is they're longtime EOS uh, fans, essentially. They've been involved in the EOS network for a really long time. And when now that there's kind of the ENF to interact with, they, they reached out to us and we're just looking for mutually beneficial ways to to uh, you know build up the network um i have a funny story about this yeah go for it so i was reached out to on twitter one day by uh somebody from one of their their uh corporations who had said hey we're looking for x person's name we can't get in touch with them we haven't been able to get in touch with them for you know months and months uh is there anybody on your team that can help us and i wasn't familiar with the name, so I asked them where they're from. And apparently, Block One just ghosted them. Uh, and they had done all of this work to raise the nodes. Uh, they have internal... So the way that uh, now nodes works is they just have B2B operations with other uh, providers. And they've been doing about 140 million requests for their nodes for EOS over past maybe a couple of years. Uh, and they just had like no support from anybody because everybody was just gone. So they reached out and, uh, we've had really, really good cooperation with them ever since. So I guess we can thank block one for ghosting them. Huh? That's funny. Yeah. And it's, so Nathan was talking to now nodes and I was talking to now solutions, uh, who kind of came into the ecosystem intake form and. Um, uh, we didn't realize at the time we were both talking to two branches of like this one common entity. It was very interesting. At first I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> this, is, this is shady. But then we got, we, we figured out what was going on and yeah, they're, they're really cool people. Who, who owns that company? Anybody know? Mm, I have no idea. Yikes. Just seemed very, very well organized. Um, yeah, you have to do a little sleuthing, Perry. That's one of your specialties, I know. So sleuth away. Okay, thanks, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> or potentially a good question for uh, whatever team member we're able to get on next week. I see. Yeah, uh, please be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I see uh, Aaron shared in chat. Um, uh, in Unicove, you're able to transfer EOS from. Uh, EOS to EOC VM. So shout out for that. It's a great function there. And that's uh, that's Unicove. That's uh, Gray Mass's web wallet. And as uh, Yana pointed out, don't forget to register in PopBot chat. I got uh, Pop Token number forty-two this time, which uh, is also a nice nice meme number. That's that's constantly my goal. <laughs> All right. Anything else on our? Uh, on the uh, on the new EOCVM version zero point six. I got a little funky with the uh, soundboard there. We can move on to our next topic here. Uh, so our next topic is the August monthly report, which is on the EOS Network blog. I can share the link with you here. Uh, 
and this is largely a review of the past uh, or the the month of August for those who were perhaps out of town in August, which uh, I actually fall into that category. So uh, this is exciting for me to read, catch up on a on a couple of things. I've been keeping mostly up with the community, but there's some some good stuff here. There's uh, EOS Labs, which um, there was uh, lots of conversation about that on the fireside chat. Also, uh, some updates to the EOS EVM. Uh, we got it uh, powered by EOS for uh, Owlando. There's also Gate.io integrating EOS EVM and a, a Pith network, which uh, added an EOS price feed. Uh, in addition, we have the Leap 5.0 upgrade. That was the uh, deferred transactions, which we've discussed, had those disabled. Um, there's also... Um, during one of the fireside chats, there was some great content um, about the features and uh, a discussion with uh, Areg and Guillaume um, on the uh, features uh, and, and other kind of details about uh, Leap 5.0 on the fireside chat. So I just dropped the link there. In addition, in August, we had some cool online events, including Get to Know Wharf SDK, which uh, we've we covered that last week, um, as well as exploring IBC, which is a webinar uh, looking at Antelope IBC. Um, so this particular web webinar you sign up for, I did a little bit earlier today, you sign up for it and then just put put in your email and confirm, and then you can uh, watch the whole, whole webinar. And it's a lot of good information there. I highly recommend it. Um, in addition, we had Pomelo Season 6 analysis report and claims. And then from the ENF uh, DevRel team, which uh, our very own Nathan James is um, here representing, uh, we have the EOS Web IDE, which uh, the instructional video for building a Tamagotchi uses that exact same IDE, um, as well as the uh, new EOS developer Twitter account. Uh, which uh, we also covered. The, that's EOS Rebels. Got all sorts of good content there. So uh, if you'd like to see more, if there's some stuff that you need to catch up on, um, I did drop that link right there for the uh, EOS Monthly Report. Uh, and, and anyone have any thoughts on on the August Monthly Report? It's sort of a it's it's a big grab bag of topics, um, but uh, I, I know I was happy to have that opportunity to catch up. Oh, I can uh, I can get a link for you. I'll I'll open up the floor if anyone wants to uh, talk. And in the meantime, I'm gonna try and find that Twitter link. I wonder who's gonna build the first Tamagotchi app. Is it gonna be? Do we have a Tamagotchi challenge? That'd be a good challenge. Uh, maybe this weekend I might have some time, <laughs> or maybe uh, maybe Lewis will. He's he he just got the link to the Twitter. Perfect opportunity. You heard it here. The first one to deploy it, fifty EOS. Oh, oh, there it is. Nice. That'll be good practice for for deploying a smart contract. I've never done that before, or at least not to not to a mainnet. It'll be exciting.
when you say deploy, so does there need to be a like a usable front end too? How does this work? That's the question. Yeah, let me clarify. It, it needs to be a playable Tamagotchi dApp on the mainnet. You can change the layout a little bit, but it must be playable and as fun as the the guide is. Yeah, so or you heard of the guide first. is. There's some alpha for you. Uh, I think it was just 50 EOS, Dave. Not <laughs> not a thousand, but. That's uh, it's still still pretty generous. It's more more EOS than you usually get for completing a a, a video course. It's literally open source code too. So you're saying I could literally just copy and paste and it'll work? Exactly. Nice. No, I'm I'm gonna actually I wouldn't learn anything that way. I'm I'm gonna actually try and build it, and then I can learn how to use use Wharf and the Web IDE too. I mean, you could deploy it personally and learn after. I'm giving you alpha alpha here. Yeah, really. <laughs> this, yeah, here's here's how you uh, here here's how you get all of the benefits without doing any of the work. It's a good tip. <laughs> I'll tell you what cool. we'll do next next uh, fireside. I'll collect all of the the transaction IDs and see which one came first. We'll shell out surprises. Nice, I like that. That's the nice thing about the blockchain is it's it's publicly auditable. All right. Well, we're we're getting to the tail end of our topics list here. Uh, anything else on on the monthly report before we move on? That's enough. That was that was a little bit of a soundboard fun on my end. Uh, moving on to our last topic here, uh, which has to do with Upland, which we like to represent on the fireside chat here. Probably one of the uh, uh, the, the most active DApps on EOS. And thank you, Yana. <laughs> um, uh, so Upland has partnered with uh, an organization called Kaboom, which I uh, can share a little. News story about this. Essentially, um, this is a philanthropic venture, another one of uh, Upland's philanthropic ventures. Uh, they're launching an NFT collection to fundraise for Kaboom, which is a nonprofit that builds playgrounds in historically underserved neighborhoods. Essentially, it's it's going to mani- manifest in a unique fundraiser where the metaverse's in-game map assets play a pivotal role. They're launching exclusive, uh, an exclusive N- NFT playground co- collection, which consists of 1,800 NFTs. And the sales from these NFTs will be channeled directly to Kaboom, uh, although Upland will retain a 10% transaction fee. Uh, the NFT playground designs were designed by an Uplander with graphic artistry prowess named Danny Brown Wolf, who created five distinct playground designs within the collection. Upon purchasing, users can seamlessly integrate these playgrounds into their virtual backyards, uh, elevating their personal meta- metaverse experience. Uh, this is not the first philanthropic philanthropic venture from Upland. Um, in the past, in uh, December of 22, they uh, helped bolster UNICEF Brazil's youth program. Uh, in addition, February of 2023, they provided relief for the 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Turkey and Syria. So it's it's great to see 
uh, blockchain coming out and having a real impact in the real world, especially the metaverse, which is often seen as a space for leisure, gaming, or social connection. Uh, the fact that it's beginning to carve out a niche in philanthropy with Upland take, leading the charge is, is very cool to see. Personally, I think it's exciting to see the metaverse leaking out into the real world, uh, especially when the reason to participate is supporting a philanthropic venture. So I, I don't know if anyone's got uh, got any thoughts on that one. Uh, any any upland players who are excited to put a uh, a playground in their backyard? That's I'm definitely considering it. If anyone else has some thoughts, I'll let the music roll for a second. Feel free to share. Yana likes the reverse music. Maybe we'll do that. All right, enough enough DJ playground on my end. Uh, very cool. Well, that that does it for our our topics today. Although I will still mention. Um, one item we went over before office hours um, are now only on Thursdays instead of Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and again, that's at 1500 UTC. Um, one of the reasons why those office hours are now only on Thursdays is because Tuesdays will now be oftentimes Twitter Spaces Day. So we've actually got a tw Twitter Spaces coming up on Tuesday that is specifically focused on DAOs. That, that'll be Tuesday at 1500 UTC. It'll feature uh, quite a few different DAOs. We've got DreamDAO, we've got DAOBox, we've got Upscale, which is uh, rebranded Eden, and then also HyphaDAO, which they will actually be releasing their beta on October 11th, which marks tremendous progress made over the past five years of development. So feel, up, feel free to sign up for their beta launch if you haven't already. I happen to find the URL here so I can share that. Oh, there we go. And then Yana is sharing the actual event there. Ooh, sorry for this link. That's very ugly. <laughs> is uh, uh, anyone out there, uh, has anyone out there messed around with the uh, HyphaDAO? Or I, I guess probably have quite a few uh, people familiar with the upscale process as well. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd love to hear, I haven't, gotten a chance to play around with uh, HyphaDAO yet. So I know some people may have uh, uh, may have joined some of their previous webinars where they go over the features and other uh, benefits of HyphaDAO. If you got anything to share, feel free. I'll get, get a little bit of music on here. Well, it was... Um just announced today that the beta release is happening. Dun, dun, dun. I got to find the page somewhere here. Uh, I think it's the 11th. Let me Twitter. Yes, that's the date I have, October 11th here. Yeah. So looks like 
things are about to get interesting. Um, people can still sign up for the beta. Um, we're still navigating to their page. I'm slow. Have you gotten a chance to uh, see their feature set or anything, Brent? <clears throat> um, I have not participated in um, any advanced. Uh, go ahead. I was going to chime in and say that um, I've had a chance to uh, review a couple of, of milestones related to the work that they had been doing. Um, and I don't even know if I could begin to start to talk about uh, the full feature set since it is uh, pretty wide reaching. But a couple of highlights that um, I'll just mention that that are available in my memory are that um, there are some pretty robust controls uh, around some different roles and um, capabilities that each member can have via a, a badge system that they've developed, which is quite interesting. Um, they've also got uh, some interesting functionality around uh, performing specific tasks or uh, quests, if you will. Um, I forget what the exact terminology they use is, but you can, of course, propose to uh, deliver some function or good for some sort of reward uh, within the treasury. Um, and then they do also have uh, some other interesting utilities for a given organization, such as setting up um, automated uh, like payroll systems and stuff like that. So I think they're really going after trying to be uh, really comprehensive and uh, feature complete in terms of just what all sorts of things that you can tune. Um, and they, they've, they've done a good job trying to put together all of that inside of a front end experience. There's obviously um, loads and loads of user education that's required for for a product like this but i i think that uh they've they've got a good approach um and it's a really cool team i'll add there that also their their general user experience is really good their onboarding experience is also really good so they have uh, a custom wallet which is very much tailored specifically for the purposes of ifidel and it makes the experience for newcomers into the ecosystem very very immersive and very simple because they only have to worry about what's good for them and not necessarily like every other wallet, what's good for everybody. Yeah, that's a good reminder there for me as well that uh, another really great uh, onboarding, like easy setup bit that they have is they also, uh, I believe, will be introducing different DAO templates. So it's basically like you can look at the profile of like badges and distribution and stuff and select a specific template to kind of get you up and rolling since, you know, that can be a fairly new concept for people. Um, so it's nice to have some different options to try on for size. I'll, I'll just mention that I'm, I'm personally really excited to mess around with HiFidow. I have a, a, a project with some friends that I've been talking to them for a long time about, oh, we should try and do some sort of, uh, you know, decentralized organization around this. And they're like, okay, show us what you mean. And uh, I, I don't have much to show for it. So <laughs> I'm excited to finally have something that seems like a comprehensive means for running an organization. Because um, if, if you got a decentralized autonomous organization, ideally, it should look like an organization. <laughs> Not a disorganization? Yeah. Ideally. Well, a, a little bit of both is, is <laughs> you know, getting a little chaos in there is always uh, a good way to, to kind of challenge yourself. Um, one thing I will mention, it looks like some people are having issues with uh, blending pop tokens. Um, this is a known issue and uh, the team will be on it. It's it's related to, we're having issues with uh, Pomelo donations. 
and we had made some changes on the back end. Uh, so we just reverted those so people could make Pomelo donations. But now we need to do a little bit of extra work on the on the other side. So just a just a heads up. I think uh, Tony also had some issues with that in addition to Mara. And uh, just to point out, I shared a link in the chat to the uh, Haifa beta launch celebration where folks can sign up. It's a Zoom link. Um, that's on October 11th at 4 p.m. UTC. So I think um, they're going to unveil some uh, some stuff there and give people a little preview. So check it out if you're interested. Trying to do the math of what time that is Pacific time. 4 p.m. UTC. That's 8 a.m. Pacific? Maybe 7 a.m. Pacific. I can never remember. Maybe 9 a.m. Pacific. I guess what 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 time is this fireside chat UTC? <laughs> oh well, well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll look that up on my end. 4 p.m. UTC. It's good to know, and that that is on October 11th. So shout out shout out to Haifa Dow. They've been uh, working on this for for a while now. There's both sort of before there was active involvement from the ENF. Uh, they'd been working on their their solutions for a while, but then uh, the ENF uh, sort of, uh, sponsored this development and now we're seeing the fruits of that. So I'm, I, I'm very excited to try it out myself. And yeah, for UTC is, well, I will start with me. It's 11 wow. central or noon yeah. Eastern. And okay. That That's not too bad. That's 9am. And 10 mountain and yeah, 9am Pacific for yeah. us here in, in the Americas. Yes. Sorry for Australians. It's probably, probably 2 a.m., 3 a.m. there. Just, just sorry, Australia. We can just start all our calls with that. Yeah. <laughs> first things first. Sorry, Australia. All right. Uh, anything else on our, uh, and, and anything else on the Dow Twitter space? Anybody uh, want to share anything about Haifa or Upscale, formerly Eden, or uh, Dream Dow or Dow Box? Anyone have any experiences? I'll get some music going. Feel free to chime in. I think that's that'll do it for our topics for today. We've uh, still got 15 minutes left until we hit the two-hour mark. I don't know if you guys are trying to push us past that, but um, I'd like to open it up for some off-topic banter. Uh, and if you have a Pomelo, uh, a, a Pomelo grant that you'd like to share, feel free to do that right now. I'll just uh, throw a couple of news items I noticed today out there. Uh, one of them is the U.S. government shutdown. So if you'd like to talk about something very cheery and enjoyable, you can have at that. Uh, also, I noticed the writer's strike is over, which I'm hoping means that the, the TV show Winning Time about the L.A. Lakers will be back on the air. But yeah, we'll see on that one.
Well, I don't, I don't have my own Pomelo grant to share, but I will share a few of my favorites. I'm really uh, excited. EOS Bees, they've back for another season along with EOS support. Um, they've they've been longtime Pomelo participants, and uh, yeah, glad glad to support them again this season around. We've also got facings back with a, a collection, a sort of the next stage of their collection manager. So shout out for that. We have Rodrigo on right now. It'd be cool to get an update on that whole scenario. I haven't heard the latest and greatest in a while. I don't see him on yeah. right now. Yeah. Anyone else from the Faces team here? Perhaps another time. Yeah, it looks like they have been uh, working to finalize WarfKit integration, which is going to be pretty cool. Is anyone planning to use the collection manager or currently using it? I mean, I know, I think that uh, .gems is actually using collection manager for some functionality. Um, that could definitely be the case. I'm not on the uh, .gems team. It looks like Yana has confirmed, yes, the .gems team is using Facing's Collection Manager. Oh, there we go. A little bit of extra soundboard effects there. This is the time. If you've been, if you've got an itchy soundboard trigger finger, I give you full permission to exercise it. Nathan, in your copious spare time, do you think you could whip up a like a tutorial on how to create an NFT art gallery using the collection manager? That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> Looks like Dot Gems could even do one. What was that? I thought the whole purpose of it was that you don't need to be a developer to use it. I don't know. Is that the case? I do actually have open source code that I wrote to create, um, to turn artwork into a 10K, a 10K project, which might be useful for that. I don't know. Let me, let me, uh, let me give that a think. What is a 10K project in this context? Uh, like a PFP, like you, you have multiple different pieces and you can turn them into um, 10,000 items just based on the permutations. I see. So it's it's sort of like uh, like like the Transformers do. They all form the giant. Uh, it, it's the way that all of these NFT PFP projects work. So you have, let's say... If it was just a face, you would have eyebrows, you would have mouth, you would have nose, you would have eye color, uh, you'd have hats, ears, different accessories, whatever. Uh, and then you, based on rarities, you would spec that out. And then you would generate 10,000 images based on the permutations of those rarities. I see. So it's not a, a collect them all. It's a, this is how the character is generated. Correct. So it would be uh, how to create a 
10K NFT PFP project using facings. Potentially, I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but that that I think would be the direction that I would take for this because it would, it would have to be somewhat from a developer's perspective. Yeah. So is that potentially going to be on the, I remember looking at it last week, the big list of, uh, of sort of developer outreach videos, maybe, right. maybe so after, there's the, uh, after the, the video roadmap. Uh, there's a couple others there that uh, I want to get to. So a lot of those are based off of research from YouTube of other themes that are doing well. So keyword research. Um, I, I would have to look into this to see if there's still significant amount of uh, activity within those keywords. I'm assuming that there is within NFT 10K PFP projects, but I, I'm just not sure. I don't want to give a, an answer without having the data first. Yeah, it's not NFT summer anymore. Yeah, but I think maybe from a developer's perspective, it's still a validly interesting uh, technological feat. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know enough about the the keyword analysis yet. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the next. So so like this sort of I guess it was twenty 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 two was the uh, the sort of uh, the NFT year. And what always happens is people discover these things and then they make a project about the thing, um, but it's only about the thing. It's not something that solves an actual real world problem. But like I've, I've been thinking for a while, oh yeah, no, like tickets to music concerts. That's an NFT would be great for that um, because you can make sure that your ticket is legitimate because you own the actual ticket um, and you can prove it with your, your uh, blockchain wallet. Or uh, I think about music-based thing because I'm a musician. You could also have like a, a sort of like bands have their fan clubs. You could start a fan club and people could prove they're in the fan club because they have the NFT. And then you could use that for maybe cheaper uh, tickets to shows or maybe early access to music, things like that. Um, but for the most part, all the people who were well, I won't say all, but a lot of NFT projects were just making photos and that's the NFT. And that's basically the only utility there. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, for example, Facing's collection manager can do in helping people actually create real solutions to real world problems using NFTs. I think that's one so, of my real hesitations there because I, I kind of was deep into the NFT See, not, not from a like buying and selling, but from a, an analysis perspective, it, it interested me because I wasn't very into NFTs when it came out. And then watching it succeed made me interested in the analytics of all of that and why, why people find it so psychologically uh, appealing. And definitely, I can say that one of the reasons that I think that it suffered so much was because of all of those projects that came out and they used it as just a money grab as it's happened many times across different different uh, verticals within and without crypto uh, you know it's not just unique to crypto but i think that the projects that actually stayed big are the ones that went a little bit further they went that extra mile and turned it into a true brand instead of just some uh, profile picture project with gated access on discord and those are the only ones that are still around. The rest of them are just, you know, they're, they've hockey sticked out and they're gone. 
And I think a lot of people that were interested in creating those brands took that as a sign that maybe that's not a good idea, even though probably it's a, uh, you know, it's um, not good data. There's no correlation there. It's just a, it's just a sheer amount of, of brand of uh, projects that did that. So I'm hesitant to create some kind of guide around that because I'm not sure if that's really the type of uh, message that we want to be sending. I think there's much more interesting projects that are, are kind of on the horizon. So with NFTs, we saw the first project was CryptoKitties or not the first project, but one of the Go bigger back. first projects. Yeah. Throwback. Right. Uh, but it was CryptoKitties and then there was punks and, they kind of it was an inkling of something interesting that was coming out and it gave people the ability to see something new and kind of uh it was months after that not for crypto cities was i think it was like a year and a half after that even where anything actually moved in in terms of the wider market and making that thing making nfts a thing so i'm wondering what is the inkling that we have now? There's a, couple, there's a bunch of different stuff on the horizon. I think GameFi was actually one of those things. So there's been a lot of projects in it, but we really only had one inkling project, which was Axie Infinity, that truly did mass waves in, in the wider community, in the wider ecosystem outside of Web3. Uh, but there's also now there's SoulSoulFi, there's RWA. Uh, GameFi is still on the horizon in a much more appealing AAA fashion uh, there's, there's a bunch of other stuff that I think from a developer's perspective is more interesting to create tutorials around just because the keyword analytics are there. They're being searched much for much more. And we don't really have the marketing power right now to force a new, a new horizon. We have to tap onto a horizon to consume the developers that are searching for those keywords. Yeah, one one interesting thing to add is uh, one thing I've noticed is so you had the first wave of of sort of blockchain projects coming out, and then blockchain become a, became a buzzword. Long Island Ice Tea changed their name to Long Blockchain, and their stock price went up precipitously. That was the in word for that moment, and then it became no longer the in word. And then people figured, oh, blockchain. That's like who's using that. But then all of the different uh, people who were using blockchain technology ended up changing their terminology. So now they say not blockchain, but distributed ledger technology. And if you ask, you know, all all sorts of people about blockchain, they'll be like, "Oh, Bitcoin uses a ton of work or a, a ton of electricity." But then you ask them about uh, distributed ledger technology, and they're all over distributed ledger technology, even it's though it's essentially the refers to more or less the same technology. And I expect the same thing to happen with NFTs so that you have, uh, you know, we had the cycle where the actual thing was what was exciting, the NFT. And now that excitement has died away. And so I, I expect there will be a new term for NFTs, for example, real world assets, which could be described as NFTs. Um, but that... I. I expect that um, as far as keyword searching goes, there will be another term for it that is uh, not yet in the popular lexicon. We'll, we'll see on that. This is just a, a speculation. I, I like the way that you're thinking about it. I think that the use case defines the outcome. And 
in the case of RWAs, it makes sense that that would be, it makes sense that there's a lot of chatter around this. So if we look at the things that have made the large waves in crypto over the past, there's been ICOs, there's been NFT, uh, there's, there's been crowd, crowdfunding. So these are things that move markets because the markets are made out of money. And therefore, of course, naturally it's going to move money markets. It, it makes sense. Right. So if you were to have something that's an NFT, if you're talking about, uh, let's say tickets, um, which is a really good use case of NFTs, but it's unlikely to really move the market much. Although tickets is a very large industry, it's doubtful that there is going to be a large uptake. It's doubtful there's going to be a large amount of volatility, right? So it, it doesn't make sense from a, from a market perspective. And I really like to look for those things which they tap into the raw the raw FOMO of traders because those are usually the things that move markets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point that like essentially the things that, and this is sort of the product of capitalism is, is once you start making money on something, people start paying attention. And so the big money is not necessarily in, in tickets, even though that may be a really uh, clear use case, big money's in, and it's kind of, there, there are a lot of different places where the big money is, but one of those seems to be uh, what you're talking about is going to be the real kind of uh, linchpin. I think the um, the NFT thing is a bit like the the what is it like the parable of the the three men and the elephant. Like one of them, one of my favorites is yeah, touching the the side of the elephant. It's like it's like a wall. The other one's touching the trunk, and it's like no, it's a snake. The other one's got his hand on the leg and he's like, it's like a tree. Um, you know, it seems like, and I'm totally on board with what you're saying, Andrew, too. I feel like, um, I almost feel like there needs to be a different name for NFTs. Um, I don't know how, um, I don't know how we could go on with just the kind of the limited notion of what people think when they think the word NFT. Um, Almost like a phone, you know, I was actually just telling the story to Nathan the other day. It's like, well, first, like NFTs are so much more than than just like digital, you know, assets or like a piece of art, uh, like what we normally think of them as. Like I was in conversation with Basing's team and with others um, that I realized, you know, they're like little computers. You can do so much with NFTs and they can have mutable properties and um, there really hasn't been a, to my knowledge, like a platform capable of handling, um, you know, NFTs that can do a lot of things essentially with, with, you know, with low cost, um, and EOS can do that, uh, relatively speaking. Um, and it's kind of like the phone, you know, my, my niece looked at my, um, my mom's phone, uh, which was like a flip phone and she's like, well, can you play games on it? And my mom's like, no. Uh, well, can you, you know, can you take pictures with it? No. Can you do this with it? Can you do that with it? Can you do the other thing with it? No, no, no. Well, what do you, what is it, what is it good for? It's like, I make phone calls with it, you know, like never even occurs to them, but that's the evolution of the platform of the phone to support so much more than what people originally thought of the phone as before, you know, you just picked it up and you called somebody. Now it's like a little computer in your pocket. I kind of see like the, whatever imagination can capture the power of NFTs is a bit like 
the phone. Um, there's so many things that can be done with them. There's just not like a, there hasn't been like the right combination of things. I mean, we all saw what happened with CryptoKitties, like a relatively simple application, completely pushing the network to its limits. Um, but now we have the possibility to have all sorts of different applications uh, of NFTs in ways that I don't think people have fully uh, rocked yet. So what will that look like? And what will we call that? Because NFT has come to mean such like a, it'd be like saying dumb phone now. Like the NF, NFT as we think of it now is like the dumb phone of the smartphone era. We just haven't really gotten to the point where there's, like no one's launched the iPhone yet, essentially. Um, if I can break that analogy anymore. <laughs> but yeah. 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 I, I agree with that sentiment. I think one thing I've noticed, uh, my fiance is a, an artist and she has a lot of artist friends and I'll talk to them about NFTs and basically all of them have a negative impression of NFTs because what they've been seeing is basically a, a bunch of people making kind of a, a sort of low effort, uh, you know, cartoony drawing and just saying, here's my NFT buy it. It's because it's a limited number. I, I mean, that's, it's an interesting thing. The fact that we now have scarcity on sort of unique digital objects, but that's not, it's not necessarily exciting by itself for people. So maybe some people were initially interested because the fact that it's scarce makes people go, Oh, maybe it'll go up in price. And then, you know, they'll, they'll sell to someone who they think is dumber than them and so on and so forth until price goes down but if there's no actual application for it it's tough for it to get staying power that's, yeah, that's the, one thing i've noticed it's the same exact thing that happened with crypto in general i think you made this point earlier it's like you know the waves hit and it was just like hype and then people started cloning bitcoin and everyone thought like this is the thing to do and jumped in and fomoed in and made it a you know like a huge to do but then all the people that weren't in that were like what what is this all like what value does it have what you know and people some people could articulate like future potential applications of the value but the actual existing value was next to nothing in terms of most blockchain projects out there um perhaps even today i would say most blockchain projects um it's like just selling the hype and nfts did the same thing it was like and it's a huge turnoff and it casts like a huge stigma over the whole, you know, now NFT is kind of like in the early days of crypto or I mean, probably still today, if you say crypto, people just think like black market money, drugs, you know, things like that. And when you say NFT, people just think scam, like overinflated digital assets that don't have any real, you know, why are they really? Um, it's kind of like the same cycle keeps repeating again and again but yeah who will who will launch the the iphone equivalent platform that can actually uh deliver some compelling use cases i guess in the palm of your hand i agree i think that i mean you kind of circled back around to it like talking about how nfts haven't had their you call it an iPhone moment. I'm going to refer to it as a killer app, but I think crypto overall has has not had a 
It's only had one killer app. I think the only killer app that crypto ever had was the Silk Road. The Silk Road bought brought Bitcoin from a, essentially a worthless asset to something that was on the front page of CNN or the front page of Pick Your News, whatever. And that was pretty cool, but it got shut down because it was illegal. And I think that's the closest thing we've ever that's the closest we've ever come to a killer app. Like if the Silk Road was legal, um, like if it was legal to to participate in that market, I think it would have been a killer app, and we'd see mass adoption. But I think we're still looking for that, not just for NFTs, but for the market overall. Um, a killer app that gets someone like my mom to use crypto. Um, you know, not not as an investment vehicle. Maybe she doesn't even know she's using crypto, but she's using crypto. Um, so I don't know what that will look like, and it may involve NFTs. It may not. To me, I think the NFT distinction is just a little bit silly. Like I think NFTs have really cool use cases, like deeds and titles and stuff, but concert tickets. Um, but they're really just a special type of token. I mean, they're all just tokens. So I think we're waiting for a, a killer app that gets people using tokens, whether they're fungible or not. Yeah. And, and there's different levels of fungibility. So most people think of Bitcoin as a fungible token, but you can kind of trace each Bitcoin back to like the block that it was mined. So there is distinction between Bitcoin. So in a way, they're not entirely fungible. And this has real world impact because, for example, if your Bitcoins were used to purchase something on the Silk Road way back in the day, then there may be some sort of uh, like legal sanction against them, uh, which is irrelevant unless you can tell which coin is which, in which case they're non-fungible. I, I've heard that argument before. There was an interesting thing that happened, just semi-related. There was an interesting thing that I saw on Twitter from one of the security guys. Of, I think it was Uniswap. I, I can't remember the exact some company, but he was one of the, uh, I think it was a CISO or somebody on the security team. And apparently he had helped go through some hack and he ended up finding a private key that was embedded within some bundled code on the front end on some website that was attached to, to the hack, like the hacker um, put it into their phishing site or something. And he loaded it into his MetaMask and then tried to get some of the funds off to recover the funds and send them back to the people who had lost those funds, people who had got fished. And he was on his way back from a conference. This happened just, just a couple of days ago. Uh, he was on his way from the conference and he got stopped at uh, the border in the States and the IRS, FBI, and a bunch of other agencies pulled him aside and you know took his phone and they started questioning him. They gave him a, uh, a subpoena to come and uh, testify for wire fraud and, and blah, blah. And he had no idea why all of this was happening. And apparently what had happened was his lawyer went back and forth with them and discovered that they had tracked that key to his IP because he had logged in to somewhere I think it was OpenSea with his MetaMask and they they to try to like take back NFTs or, or something from, from that account. And um he basically thought he was the hacker and you know his his IP was tainted at that point. It wasn't even his tokens or anything. It was more just the fact that he logged into OpenSea and then he became tainted because he had proof that he owned that account. He signed a message on OpenSea verifying that he had access to the private key. 
Um, and they, they ended up sorting all of that stuff out and, you know, the subpoena was dropped and he didn't have to go and testify or anything like that. Uh, but I think the wider concern here is that it's more than just the tokens that can be tainted. You could just sign in with your MetaMask on some website that is within some certain jurisdiction and then get absolutely shafted for the fact that you, in his case, just trying to help out. Well, that's, that's what he says, you know. <laughs> Use a VPN. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, uh, use a VPN. Yeah, but it depends what VPN you're using. If you're on, like, uh, I, wanna, I don't want to say any names, but there's some VPNs that they're, they're not actually VPNs. Could you could you say some names? I want to make sure I'm not using a non-VPN no, VPN. I don't want to say some names. <laughs> is is NordVPN a real VPN? No, uh, this is not an endorsement or whatever the opposite of an endorsement is. But I, I wasn't about NordVPN, though I have heard some shady stuff about NordVPN before, but I, I, use, I use them. I don't use it for privacy purposes, though. I use it to... Um, look like I'm somewhere else when I use when I use like Disney Plus or, or something like that. Yeah, or the I, Office I on Nord, Netflix. I use NordVPN too, so I'll give that a, a, another thumbs up. But my threat actor is primarily my ISP because I live in the United States, where in 2016 the FCC made it legal for your ISP to sell all of your browser history, anything that you do online. So I encrypt it all so that my ISP can't sell all that. So that's my primary threat actor. If I was doing something really shady, I usually do Tor or like double VPN with another provider that I won't name and that's, you know, bought a knives right. and all that. But for general daily browsing, getting around region blocks, and also for even testing ENF websites, um, it's been really useful for making sure that our websites load correctly around the world. Um, I really like NordVPN, and I mean, I, I trust them with that's really simple stuff. and easy to use. Yeah. I am. Um, I, was, cool. I was living in a house with uh, a bunch of not in the house. It was like a, not a dormitory style place in LA for a while when I was younger. And uh, somebody there was, I guess, watching illegal content. I'm not going to say it was me, but somebody there was watching illegal content through, you know, streaming sites. Uh, and the landlord kept getting messages from the ISP that, uh, you know, no, 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 you shouldn't be going to these websites. If you keep going to these websites, we're going to come to your house and, and arrest you. And uh, he, he like freaked out and sent message emails to everybody who lived in this uh, dormitory style apartment. It was like, hey, you guys need to stop whatever the fuck you're doing because the cops are coming burst down doors. Wow. That's uh, that's kind of concerning, <laughs> I guess. I mean, old news, but like still a, very concerning. Over a decade ago. So definitely definitely, I'm sure it's worth also. Yep. It seems like really? they've gotten less power since then, right? Yeah, maybe not. That's what they say. <laughs> uh, I would assume yeah. that is the opposite yeah. of the truth. Yeah, they, they do have less power. So there was um, there were a bunch of like high profile cases where people got sued for you know quarter million dollars, million dollars, ten million dollars, just crazy amounts of money that nobody could ever hope to afford to pay for downloading a single single Disney movie. And um, they passed the U.S. government passed something called the, the three strikes law. So now they have to follow this this thing where the first time they send you a notification, the second time, I think they can turn your Internet off for like a day. And then the third time they can cancel your account or I, I don't know how it works, but it's like a process of escalation that's fairly benign. I mean, really, nobody should be torrenting without some sort of a VPN or a proxy um, or using these streaming services. But they, they've definitely been neutered in the United States, at least. Well, that's that's good to hear. I haven't I haven't seen any uh, 
any messages from our ISPs. So uh, maybe I'm not doing anything illegal enough or they just don't care. So, <laughs> some of them legit don't care. Like Comcast, they'll send you stuff because they own the media companies that you're, you know, I'm going to say stealing in quotes because I don't believe it's stealing, but you're stealing from. And then, uh, but some of them don't care. Like I had Verizon Fios for a while, and this was a long, 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 long time ago um, before I had VPNs, and they never long enough ago that like, it's it's past the uh, the yeah the statute of limitations. Yeah, they never yeah. they never sent us notices. Verizon did not care because they don't own them. Or at that time, they didn't own any of the media companies. That's kind of how it works. Like if your ISP owns media companies, they care, and if they don't, then they don't care. I mean, we have the same thing out here in Europe, and we definitely had the same thing in Israel. It's like they absolutely do not care because it does not matter to them, even in the leastest. Yeah, I, I've always felt like when you pay for it, you pay for the experience of being able to access it easily without a bunch of ads that try and trick you into clicking on them, etc. Not, not that it's anything that uh, not not that I ever consume content without paying for it. Mm -hmm. um, but but if I if if I were to that would be my my thought process behind it that would be my self justification if you will. <laughs> I th I think just the worst is that the type of ads that you usually get on those websites they're they're not exactly family friendly. So if you want to if you do want to put on a Disney movie, man, you better bring the kids in after you put the movie on or subject them to potentially very not safe for work stuff. Oh man, that's a good point is uh something i don't think about yet but i will maybe at some point i'm sure all those with children have uh personal experience dealing with that <laughs> or at the very least see it as a significant drawback now we got uh lewis thinks nord is crap that's good to know <laughs> I, I, i'll look into it we'll see all right um, well, we're, we're all done with our, our topics. I'll, I'll throw on some music a little bit if anyone has some other off topic banter, but I think we'll probably be, uh, gearing towards, uh, shutting down this fireside chat. I'll, I'll pop this. Let's see what music should we do. Let's do this one. Thanks, Nathan, for joining us. Appreciate your insights. Always, always very valuable. All right. I think... Uh, Sounds like we're good to shut things down here. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this fireside chat. It's been a great conversation. Really appreciate everyone uh, jumping in, sharing their questions, their comments, and everything. And uh, I guess uh, we'll be coming back next week. And uh, I think we're just about ready for a little uh, go EOS whenever you're ready. So uh, shout out to the fireside chat and go EOS. I like that one. Cowabunga, yes. <laughs>